Hey, CF family, thank you for joining us today. We really hope that this message encourages you and blesses your life. Well, before you hear this powerful teaching, I want to encourage you to share this message with someone who needs to hear the gospel. You never know what this message can do to the life of that person. Also, we want you to know that wherever you're watching us from, you can still impact the lives of others through your giving. It is through your generosity that we can keep pushing the kingdom of God forward in our city and all over the world. Giving is safe and simple. You can go to our app or you can go to our website, cfmiami.org slash give. Well, God bless you and I hope you enjoy this message. so excited to be here. It's been a long time. Let me give all of you a big hug, a big hug. I'm so excited to see each and every one of you all and uh, so grateful for Pastor Omar and his leadership during uh, this uh, very interesting season we have been in. Huh? So if you have your Bible, uh, I'm going to read from Numbers chapter 12 verses 1 and 2. And the word of God reads like this. Moses and Aaron spoke against, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman whom he had married. For he had married a Cushite woman. And they said, has the Lord indeed spoken only through Moses? Has he not spoken through us also? And the Lord heard it. And the Lord heard it. You may be seated. Father, thank you so much for this day that you have given us to gather in the house of worship. Thank you for your many blessings that you provide for us for health, for strength, for friends, for family. God, thank you for uh, your son, Jesus. Thank you for his death on Calvary's cross, for his blood that was shed, and for the difference it makes in our lives. Now, God, we thank you for this moment, and we pray that you will open up your word for our hearing, that you will speak to us at the point of our greatest need, make us better for having come to this moment. We pray in Jesus' name, amen, amen. So I don't know what you've been doing over uh, this time, but one of the things I've been doing is catching up on a few movies. And so one movie that I got to see was the movie, The Best of Enemies. It actually came out just before the COVID lockdown started. Uh, and, uh, and it tells the story, the true story, of uh, school integration in Durham, North Carolina. And they decided that in order to figure out how they were going to do this, they would put a committee together and that uh, the committee would make the decisions on how they would integrate the schools. Well, the chairperson of the committee was the leader of the local Ku Klux Klan. And the vice chairman of the committee was a black woman who was a local social activist. And so the movie kind of talks about how at times they butted heads uh, through this process but through the entire process, they who started out as the best of enemies became the best of friends. And they actually lived as lifelong friends until they died. So that's an exciting story. But it raises a question for me. 
So when it comes to your interactions with people of other ethnic groups, are you the best of friends or are you the best of enemies? Here are a couple questions that you ought to think about. Do you see other ethnicities as equal? Do you have close friends, close friends in other ethnic groups? Do you uh, stop your friends when your friends say negative things about other ethnic groups or when they make negative ethnic jokes? And are you comfortable with the idea of having someone of another ethnicity dine with you at your dinner table? So we're in the process of getting ourselves ready for heaven. And, and one of the things that helps describe heaven to me is Baskin-Robbins ice cream. <laughs> so how many flavors does Baskin-Robbins have? 1,300. <laughs> See, now that is what heaven ought to look like. <sighs> you know, uh, I, I like Baskin-Robbins because... You know, some places only have like one or two or three flavors. But Baskin-Robbins always has plenty to choose from. Sometimes I want caramel praline delight. And sometimes I feel like winter white cherry chocolate. And I'm, when I'm really feeling wild, I go for rum raisin. See, heaven will have plenty of ice cream because we don't all like one flavor. Somebody say amen. Amen. You know the old song, it says, Jesus loves the little children. All the children of the world, red and yellow, black and white, all are precious in his sight. And so if that is true for Jesus, that ought to be true for Jesus' family. huh? And we're all a part of family, right? So let me just say a few things about this issue of racism. Racism, remember, is a preference of skin colors. Huh? And so in our text, there are a few people that uh, show up. Let me just uh, give a couple definitions first. And that is Miriam and Aaron. Miriam and Aaron are Moses' older siblings, his older brother and sister. And so you know, anytime you got your brothers and sisters around, something might be going on, right? Moses is the man that God had called to lead the nation of Israel out of slavery in Egypt and to the promised land. And, uh, and Moses, now Moses already led the nation of Israel out of slavery. They're in this transition in the wilderness. And, and at some point, somewhere in Moses' life, I'm not sure exactly when, but he married a Cushite woman. Now, a Cushite was an Ethiopian. That's what we would know them as today. So, so let's read the verse now. 
it says, Miriam and Aaron spoke against Moses because of the Cushite woman he had married, for he had married a Cushite woman. Now, uh, just keep in mind that uh, in, in these Old Testament passages, everybody was brown skin or dark skin, right? It, you know, what's hard to find in the Old Testament is a white guy, right? So, so when, when Miriam and Aaron are talking about Moses' wife, though, they are not really complaining that she's darker skin than they are. That whole skin issue, that came way later on in history. They were really fussing about the fact that she was of, of another ethnic group, another nation, another nationality than they were. She was a Cushite or an Ethiopian, and, and they were uh, 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 of, 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 of Jewish descent. And, and in fact, uh, Moses had also married uh, a Midianite. So, so they, were, they were really upset about this national issue, this national clashing. So racism, uh, so let me just say this, that, that treating someone different just because of their skin, remember, is shallow and sinful. You know the old phrase, beauty is only skin deep. Right? So, if we were to take off our skin, we would all look alike. I mean, we probably wouldn't be able to tell us one from another if we were to all take our skin off. I'm not asking you to practice that, but I'm just, <laughs> just thinking about this. Racism exists whenever a person is treated differently or unfairly, primarily or solely because of the color of their skin or because of their particular ethnic origin. Albert Moeller, president of the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary, says, quote, diversity is not a problem. It is a divine gift. Sin explains the hatred and animosity, racism, and ethnocentricity. Seen in light of the gospel, racial and ethnic differences are not accidental. They reflect the perfect plan of a perfect God. And they are not overcome by the gospel. They are glorified by the gospel. So when I become a Christian, I don't have to become like somebody else because God loves me just like the ethnic person I am. I'm excited about that. And so here in this passage, God doesn't see skin. God sees sin. And this has always been a part of God's MO. If you remember... Um, when the nation of Israel needed a new king, God sent the prophet Samuel to Jesse's house because God told Samuel he was going to anoint one of Jesse's sons to be king over Israel. And so in 1 Samuel 16, when Samuel gets to Jesse's house, tells him the news, you know what Jesse does. Jesse looks for his tallest, best-looking son and says, here's the one you're looking for. And, and then the Lord says, uh, 1 Samuel 16, 7, but the Lord said to Samuel, do not look on his appearance or his height 
because I have rejected him. Listen to this. For the Lord sees not like man sees. Man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. Right? So just think about this for a second. So I'm sure at some point in your life, right, you you weren't always as Christian as you are right now. So at some point in your life, you probably tried to have some kind of relationship with somebody just because of how they look. Come on, tell the truth now. Tell the truth. And, and how many times when you tried to find a relationship with somebody just based on their outward appearance, when you got to know them, you said, whoa, this is the wrong one right here, right? Because you can't trust what you see on the outside, right? And so God says, I'm the same way. And so this is what we learn here. Racism is sin. Racism is sin. So Miriam and Aaron were talking against Moses, and the scripture says, and the Lord heard it, right? So he said, you know, I'm I'm listening, and and he says, the Lord heard it. So let me just think about why God was uh, so interested in this conversation. One, racism calls God as creator into question. Hmm? So God is the one who created everything, including us. And in the book of Genesis, chapter 1, chapter 2, where we hear the accounts of the creation, that God created uh, all these things, and he took the dust of the earth, and he uh, formed man, blew into his nostrils. Man became a living soul. And so, so whatever we are is what God created us to be. Huh? And so when we are racist and we hate somebody because of the way they look, then that says we are hating what the Bible says God called good. Because every time God created something, he put his stamp and approval on it and said, that's good, that's good, that's good. And when he made man, he said, that's very good. Huh? So, so racism calls the creator into question. Second, racism is a form of idolatry. See, racism presupposes that there is something more to be preferred or adored or superior about one skin color or another. Huh? So um, in the book of Acts, chapter 10, uh, Paul, uh, Peter, is, is, is being sent by God down to Cornelius' house. Peter was a Jew. Cornelius was an Italian. And he's saying, we don't even have any dealings with them Italian folk. You know, Paisan and all that stuff, you know. And so, so he says, and God says, I want to send you down there too, to, to Cornelius' house. And finally, after all this interaction, Acts chapter 10 and verse number 34, it says, Peter began to speak. He says, now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism but accepts every na- man from every nation with fear of him to do what is right. Man, wow, wow, this is fantastic. You know, Romans chapter 2 and verse 11, uh, Ephesians chapter 6 and verse number 9, James chapter 2 and verse number 1 all say the same thing. God does not show favoritism. 
And so God is not interested in, uh, you know, selecting and, and putting, making somebody superior or seeing somebody as a favorite. This is wonderful because it reminds me that God loves all of us the same. It reminds me that the ground is level at the foot of the cross. We are all sinners in need of a Savior. And, and third, racism opposes the spirit of Christ. It opposes what God is trying to accomplish in this world in which we live, right? John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, listen to this, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And so God wants to save everybody. He wants to save Lottie, Dottie, and everybody. Come on now. He wants everybody saved. And so, we, so uh, racism opposes what God is trying to accomplish in this world. Now, keep this in mind, that I know times have changed, and I know that the way people think and the culture and all that has changed. But God has not changed. God still hates sin. Huh? God still hates sin. God is immutable. That is a reminder that whatever changes in life, don't count God in on that. Because he never changes. And he still hates sin. And so here as we're uh, moving in this text... Uh, that like, like a parent who hears their kids maybe downstairs or in another room uh, and, and, and there's some noise going on, maybe they knock some over or maybe they, you, you feel like your kids are getting into a little tussle together and, and what do you say before you go down there? Say, don't make me come down there. And so that, that's God calling out in this text. It says, uh, says uh, that he called them to come out. And then in verse number five, it says, and the Lord came down. And then finally in verse number nine, it says, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against them. Huh? And so God was ticked off. So they were fussing about the fact that Moses had married this Cushite woman. The Lord's anger was stirred up. So much so that he came down from heaven to have a one-on-one -on -one personal conversation. Yeah, that is the conversation I don't want to have with the Lord, you know. You, huh? So, uh, and here's the point. Here's the point. First John chapter 5 and verse number 17 says, all unrighteousness is sin. And, and here's where we mess up a lot of times. That we have a tendency to create a favorites list of sins. And so we always, in our favorites list, what we always count as the big sins are everybody else's sins. Huh? So my sins, they're the ones that don't really matter. But your sins, oh, those are the terrible ones. Huh? And so but, but what this reminds me of is that God never sees it that way. For God, all sin is equal. And all unrighteousness, he says, is sin. And so I can't live and try to be successfully God's person and then harbor and hold on to any kind of sin in my life. Here's a caution. Caution. God can turn 
what we believe is our blessing into our curse. Look at verse 10. It says, and when the cloud removed from over the tent, behold, Miriam was leprous white as snow. And so Miriam had kind of made up this, uh, you know, anxiety about Moses' Cushite wife. And, and now as a result of her meeting with the Lord, Miriam's uh, skin is now leprous. Is she has a skin affliction that causes her skin to look ugly, smell ugly, and, and in fact, in, uh, in, in the biblical days, if somebody was a leper, they could no longer live with the family. They had to live outside of town, and whenever they walked down the street, if they saw somebody coming by, they had to cry out, unclean, unclean. It was just like, you know, if you got a positive COVID test during these last couple of years, you had to walk around, unclean, unclean, right? So, so Miriam had, had thought about her own nationality, her ethnicity, and her skin as being her blessing, and God made it into her curse. And, and I'm going to say that maybe this is what's happening with the United States today. Hmm? Racism has become so interwoven in American culture and, and in American values that, that we don't even recognize it anymore. It is, it is so much a part of the culture and society in which we live that, that we, don't need, we're, we are not sensitive to it and we don't even recognize when it's going on. And, and, it's be, and we, we have done it so many times that we just think this is the way life is and this is the way it's supposed to be. And, and the church, and, and, and I think that's okay if we were just worldly people. If I was out talking to some civic society, that's, I mean, that's just the way of the world. But we are the people of God. We must live to a higher standard. Hmm? And, and what we see now, because the church has not always sought to do that, is that we see the American church in severe decline. Huh? The American church, not the worldwide church, but the American church is in decline. And so there's a Gallup poll that came out last year, and it said that for the first time in American history, the number of people who claim church membership in the United States is lower than 50%. First time in American history. And another one came out during the same year, a, a Pew Research poll, and it said that the number of people who claim Christianity has fallen to 63%. Let me put some, this in some context. In 2010, uh, there was this Pew Research that came out, and it said that from 2010 uh, to 2050, that the American Christianity would fall from 78% to 63%. I said, I said 2050. And what year are we in right now? 2022. 2022. We're seeing the, the precipitous drop in the number of American Christians that was predicted to happen by 2050. We're seeing that in 2022. Why are we seeing this? Because the world is not stupid. They look at us with open eyes. And they know when we are living up to our Christian values, and they know when we're trying to pull the okey doke on some issues, huh? Yeah. 
And so they say, and they're saying, the first one says, uh, the first one really talks about church connection. And they say, well, if that's what you all are calling church, I don't want anything to do with your church. They're, they're not rejecting God. They're rejecting us. They're saying that whatever you're doing, there seems like there's something hypocritical in that process, and we don't want any part of the way you're handling that. And the second one, though, of the Pew Research one says, this is a God connection, and they are saying we are giving up not just on the, your church, but we are giving up on the whole idea of God. You know something about that because you live in Miami, and Miami, uh, in Miami, only about 40% of the residents uh, even claim to be something religious. And I mean, you got to add in, you got to add in Muslims and Hindus and, and the Baha'i faith and everybody in order to get up to that number here. And so I just want to say this, Miami, we have a problem. Come on, Come, touch your neighbor and say, we have a problem. And so I just want to say the time for playing Christian is over if, if Christians could ever get past this issue of racism, I believe we could have revival in the United States of America. Here's the last thing. Racism can only be cured by the transforming power of God. Amen. Legislation can't do it. Governors can't do it. ACLU, Anti-Defamation League, NAACP, they can't do it. Pepsi, uh, PepsiCo, Asian Americans for Equality, El Movimento can't do it. Democrats can't do it. Republicans can't do it. Wars, riots, protests, and courts, they can't do it. And Moses, Moses here recognized what can do it. It says in verse number 13, Moses cried out to the Lord, oh God, please heal her, please. Moses, who had led the nation of Israel with power in order to leave uh, the grips of Pharaoh. Moses, who helped who parted the Red Sea and led the nation of Israel into the wilderness. Moses knew that he did not have the stuff to handle these kind of problems on his own. He knew that God had to step in, that God had to intervene, that these things will only happen because of the transforming power of Almighty God in every single one of our lives. We must all be reconciled to God. If there's any wicked way in me, we, I need to be able to confess it to Almighty God so I can have a close, intimate, personal, powerful relationship with Him. We must be reconciled not only to God, our Father, but to one another. Huh? And so we can't, we can't just pretend we got this kind of relationship. We must also love God's people why? Because the gospel is for everyone. Jesus took it to the uh, Samaritans and the Syrophoenicians. Paul said it was for the Jews first, but also for the Greeks. And in the book of Acts, we see the gospel as it expands to the Jews, the Ethiopians, and to the Italians. And the truth is, it is only then when we will be ready for heaven, huh? 
And so our job here is to get ready for our eternity in heaven. And there will not be a post-racial heaven. Huh? We're not all going to turn into one thing once we get there. Uh, whatever you are right now, you will be that when you get to heaven. The Bible says we will know as we are known. And so whatever beautiful skin color you are right now, you're going to be that same beautiful skin color when you get to heaven in the heavenly bouquet. That's the way it's going to be. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 7, he says, I looked and he said, before the throne, there was a number that no man could number. And they had come from every kindred, every nation, every tribe, and every tongue. And they were all standing before the throne with palm branches in their hands. Their robes washed in the blood of the Lamb. And they said, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. What a time it's going to be when we get to heaven together what an exciting time and and series this is as we get to spend time with a gospel converse uh, gospel preachment and then a gospel conversation so put your hands together and let's welcome a guy that you all ought to know pastor omar and we're going to have a gospel conversation today Hey, Pastor Mark, thank you so much. Oh, God bless hey, you, Hey, church family, can we give it up for Pastor Mark one more time? Amen. You're the best. Go ahead and take a seat. Hey, thank you so much for joining us. It's always a treat to have you. Amen. Man, you are man, just phenomenal. Thank you so much for, for being here with us. And, you know, on this topic of racism, you know, you know when, when everything happened with George Floyd up north, uh, we, all, we had a conversation about this before. Um, it was through Zoom at that time, and we got pastors together, and thousands of you uh, joined in, and, and uh, it was very healthy for us to talk about those, those things while they were happening. But we thought, you know, it's important for us to also spend a weekend talking about it because it's, 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 it's so important. And so the truth is that, you know, racism, you know, has always been an issue. You know, you look at the scriptures, you know, we just saw a passage back in the Old Testament uh, we look at the history of countries. It's always been an issue in different times. And, you know, even in our country, it's, it's peaked its, its ugly head here and there uh, throughout different times uh, in, the, in the conversation at large. And just recently with the death of George Floyd and uh, Trayvon Martin here in, in, in Florida, uh, it's sparked, it sparked even more discussion, more controversies, more, more things, more issues. And so, you know, the truth of the matter is that race... Racism is, is a controversial topic. And consequently, there are many people who maybe just don't want to even want to talk about it. You know, even maybe perhaps coming to church and like, oh, I don't know if I want to talk about this. But why is it important that we do discuss it, especially uh, because we are the people of God? Okay, great. So uh, let me just say that uh, during COVID, uh, we've all had some extra time to do some stuff. One of the things I did was I grew my COVID beard. Uh, <laughs> it's looking good, right? And, uh, but I also got time to do some writing. So, and I hope that uh, you all spent this time in a productive way 
and, and not just kind of feeling like you were locked down and just couldn't do stuff. Maybe God was giving us opportunities to do some things we couldn't do while we were running around. So, and so uh, one of the things that I have available here today is removing the stain of racism. I want to give this to you. Oh. And in uh, a book that I got to write during this time, uh, Big Results Leadership. One, let me give these to you because you have been Thank such you a so great much. friend so and much, such a Pastor great Mark. supporter. Thank you and, so much. Uh, so we just love you and I love the work that you're doing you well. here Thank at Christ so Fellowship. So what I would say is that the gospel impacts every part of life. And, and that's what I love about it, that no matter what issue I'm thinking about, feeling, or people are going through, the gospel has something to say about it. It, it may not actually call every individual item by name, but there are enough principles that we can apply mm -hmm. from the words that are already written to be able to speak to every single issue. Why? Because God is concerned about all of our lives. He is concerned about every part of our lives. And so the only way that we can then know how to live out the gospel is to know the mind of God. And, and so it's really important that we have uh, pastors and leaders and churches that are willing to be brave and talk about some of these kind of cutting edge issues uh, because that really helps us to be able to know what does God really say about these particular issues uh, as we, so we can address them in our lives and society? Definitely. You know, one of the things that there's a saying, you know, that the, the, the Bible was, run, was not written to us, right? It was written in different circumstances and different eras, but it was written for us. And so, you know, it's important for us to remember that when we read God's Word, at times it's going to encourage us, right? We're going to feel encouraged. And at times, it's going to convict us. Um, and the mistake that sometimes we make is when we read God's Word, like you said earlier, we think, mm, I wish that person would read this because this is a thing that they struggle with. But the reality is that sometimes when we read, well, every time when we read God's Word, we should be thinking of ourselves. It should be challenging us. And one of the things that really it's revealed in Scripture is that racism, and, and you mentioned this in your teaching, is idolatry. And folks, it's really important for us to really think about this as, 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 as believers in Christ because what racism does, it says, it idolizes who you are, your nationality, your skin color, how you look. And so what happens is when you look at somebody else, because you're idolizing who you are, you want to put down that other person who doesn't look like you. And really what it is is also pride. Every time that, that there is something in us, right, that wants to push someone down who doesn't look like you, who doesn't, you know, speak like you, same nationalities, it's not only skin color, it could be nationality, right? We need to be very sensitive about that so that whenever it does come up in our hearts, if it ever does, that we would extinguish it rather quickly. Because like you said, racism goes against the cause of Christ, what he is supposed to do. So not only is it sin, but it goes against the redemptive work of the gospel. And so I think it's important for us to talk about it because whenever things does surface up in our hearts, we need to be quick, you know, to, to address those sin issues in, in, our, in our lives. You know, over the, the, the last several years, it's unfortunate, but the, the topic of racism 
has been politicized, you know, by both sides of the aisle. It's been politicized and, you know, consequently, the news media follows and politicizes as well to whatever party they lead in. And let's be honest, all of us, you know, we all have our favorite news channel that we tune on every day. Uh, we have our uh, social media accounts that we follow, uh, the Twitter accounts that we follow. We all have it. And whether we realize it or not, whatever we're taking in from the television, from the news media, from that famous person that you follow on Twitter, it's influencing your view on any given topic, including racism or this topic of race. And so how can we be sure, Pastor Mark, how can we be sure? Because all of us are going to watch the news. All of us are going to be on our phones. We're all going to be, you know, that's just life, how life is nowadays. How can we be sure, yeah, that we watch the television and we will open up our phones, but that we still, as a people of God, maintain a biblical view of racism and racial unity in despite all of the uh, politicizing that's out there. Sure. I, I think we ought to do all of those things, but you still need to have a gospel conversation about it. Mm. So I ought to watch my favorite news stations. In fact, I ought to watch all the news stations. Mm -hmm. And then I need to have a gospel conversation about it. So I would not ever just take other people's words for how things are supposed to be. I need to take what people say, whatever media it is, and then let me float it past what the Word of God Amen. says on this issue Amen. so that I can make sure that I'm thinking about this the right way and not the way that people who are making big bucks in media want me to think, mm -hmm. huh? Mm -hmm. And so they have a, a motive, but God has a different motive, and I need to make sure I'm lining up with God's motive. And so mm -hmm. I, got, I need to hear what people have to say, um, and uh, people I, I agree with and people I disagree with. I need to hear it all because I need to run it all through my gospel filter. Amen. And then I have to be able to read the Bible with my eyes open so that I can truly hear what God is saying uh, to me and to our circumstances. You know, I've been preaching for 40 years now, and, and over these 40 years, uh, the, I, I would still say that the gospel still challenges me, right? Uh, so I'm not a perfect being. I'm still one becoming what God wants me to be. And so the gospel still speaks to my life. It speaks to my issues. It's, it speaks to my thoughts. And, and it consistently challenges the way that I'm thinking about things so that I can make sure that I'm staying in alignment with him. Remember, we used to always wear those what would Jesus do bracelets. Uh, and I don't know what happened to them, but they were helpful, right? Because they reminded us that when things are going on in life, uh, I, I, one of the important questions for me to raise is, now in light of all of these things I've heard and all that's going on, what would Jesus do? Because that is where I need to then focus my, my energies and efforts. When I was in college, I took a course in religion. And so uh, the professor said some things I wasn't used to hearing. And so, uh, you know, in a conversation with him, he says, Mark, he says, 
if you have real faith, he said real faith looks for the truth. And real faith is based on the truth. And real faith is never gonna be shaken by other ideas that aren't the truth, huh? And so, and, and that was great because the truth, right, the truth can take your questions. The truth can take our uncertainties and handle them. The, the truth is, is the strong foundation that we can build our lives and our futures on. And the Bible says that it is only the truth that will set us free. Amen. And so, yes. Listen to everything, but run it all by the truth of the gospel so that we can make sure we're focused in the right direction. Amen to that. You know, you know as, as the people of God, when people talk to us, they should not hear echoes of the different news media outlets. They should hear echoes of God's word. Mm -hmm. Amen. Yes. And so that's why it's so important for us to really know God's word. To know God's word because think about it, if you don't spend time in God's word, if you haven't studied God's word, how can you filter it? Mm -hmm. How can you filter everything you're hearing if you don't know God's word? And so the first step has to be, right, then knowing God's word, reading God's word so that we can process and filter mm -hmm. every opinion mm -hmm. through, the through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen, church family? That's why small groups are so important. Amen to that. Amen. <laughs> you know, during the last several years especially with everything that's happened, uh, unfortunately, racism has, in this country at least, has only been cornered into a black and white issue. And there are issues in this country that I think uh, we have struggled with throughout our history, and I think we're making progress, but it's still a topic of discussion that we need to improve on throughout, you know, as we move forward. But the reality is, is that racism is not only a black and white issue. You know, it, it, it cuts across all different cultures. You know, you know I'm, an, I'm, a, I'm Hispanic, and the reality is that when I, I look at other Hispanics, there's a lot of racism among Hispanics. Uh, when you look at, you know, sometimes when you, when, whether it's from your, the Caribbean area or whether you're a Central American or, Southern, or from South American, then sometimes it's very sad to see the way that Hispanic speaks of other Hispanics. Like you said, it's not only about skin color, it's about nationality, it's about how they kind of they look. They look a little different than us, and so we put them down. Um, but you know what? You go far east, you see uh, Chinese, the Japanese and Korean people. They have racial issues as well, even though they are in, 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 in you know, Asian countries. You look at African countries, you look at Middle Eastern countries. You know, my, my dad lives near the Middle East. That happens there all the time. And so the, the, the truth of the matter is that um, there's, there's really racism is rampant everywhere. And so why is it important that, yes, we acknowledge the racism here in this country, but that we understand that racism is not just an American issue. It's, it's an issue that cuts across all cultures in humanity. Sure. Uh, there was an episode of Star Trek. So have any Trekkies in here? Any Trekkies in the crowd? Yeah. And, and so there was <laughs> Some an reluctant old... people are like... I'm a, there was I'm an a, old a episode of Star Trek um, where uh, Captain Kirk and the Enterprise went to this one planet. And, uh, and I think the name of the episode was Let That Be Your Last Battlefield. 
And so when they got to the planet, there were people on the planet that were fighting against each other. And so uh, whenever they would kind of grab a hold of each other and they were tussling, uh, something was happening that would cause some kind of power surge and, and this was going to destroy the planet if they kept on fighting. So uh, Captain Kirk got the leaders of these two groups into a room and he's having a conversation. And, uh, and he can't understand why these two guys are fighting. And, uh, and the guy says, can't you see? He said, he's ugly. He said, what do you mean he's ugly? He looks just like you. No, 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 no. He doesn't look like me. He said, I'm black on the left side and white on the right side, and he is black on the right side and white on his left side. He said, and so what, what, what he was trying to talk to us about was the fact that even if everything was the same, if, if we all looked exactly alike, there's something in our broken human nature that is going to want us to one-up the other person that's around us. It's just in us that way, that we always want to promote ourselves as better, and we always want to be better. And so one of the ways that we can make ourselves feel better is to put somebody else down. And so, uh, and so that is exactly what happens in, uh, in, with racism as we go through this. Now, I've, I've traveled a lot in my lifetime uh, to 40 countries and preached around the world. And, and this is what I know. Countries change. Cultures change. People's skin color changes. Their cuisine changes. But one thing doesn't change, and that's people. Huh? When I first started preaching in foreign countries, I thought I had to take a special message. But this is what I found out. People are people. Huh? I may not be able to speak your language. I may not know every nuance of your culture. But this is what I do know. People all suffer with the same issues. We have the same fears. We have the same anxieties. We have the same hopes, we have the same desires, we have the same passions. And so that just freed me up because then I realized that I, all I really need to do is preach the gospel because the gospel speaks to people's Amen. real life issues. Amen. Huh? Amen. So I, I just think that's a wonderful thing how the God, God has given us the gospel of Jesus Christ it cuts through and cuts across all the things that we would say divide us and make us different and gets to our most basic selves where we really find out we are all just alike. We are sinners in need of a Savior. Amen to that. Amen. Well, you know, one of the things here at Christ Fellowship that I'm just very grateful to be part of, of, of this church family is that you know, we might not be a perfect church, far from it, but I, I think that one of the legacies that we've had here at Christ Fellowship is racial uh, diversity. And it's, you know, the, the, our church has, is over 100 years old, if, if you're not aware. And, uh, you know, from the early stages, you know, it was predominantly white, but there was, a, I feel like a de defining moment in the 70s uh, with um, uh, Doc, uh, Pastor Tommy Watson. Uh, we have a picture of him right here, just so you can see. Yeah, that's Pastor Tommy Watson. So, I, I, 
my role as a lead pastor now, right, before this, before me was Pastor Rick Blackwood, and before Pastor Rick was Pastor Tommy Watson. And so there was a defining moment that, um, uh, at this church that was led by Pastor Tommy in that uh, during that time, the way they used to do church membership back in the day uh, was not like we used to do today, and we, we talked about this, that there's some churches who still do this. The way you became a, a church member back in the day is that you would come to the front on a special day, and people would have to vote to, for you to become a church member. Uh, sounds crazy, right? And so, but they would do that, and they would come, and people would vote, and they would be, you know, official members of the church. And there was uh, a, an African-American man uh, who, uh, at that, living here in Miami, who was uh, actually a um, high-level executive at Eastern Airlines. You all remember Eastern Airlines? So he was a, a, a high-level employee there, a high-level executive there, and he wanted to become part of, the ch- of this church. And so he knew it was a day of voting, and uh, it wasn't common for that to happen, and and so right before he told Pastor Tommy, Pastor Tommy, listen, if they don't vote me in, I understand, I get it. Listen, I'll, I'll just walk out and I'll just go somewhere else. It's not a, don't make a big deal out of it. It's not a big deal, Pastor Tommy. I know how things are. You know, don't worry about it. And at that moment, Pastor Tommy told him, listen, if they don't vote you in, as you walk out that door, I'm going to walk out right with you, and they'll they'll never see me again. And church, I really believe that that was a defining moment, a pivotal moment in the life of Christ Fellowship, because at that moment, we said, listen, this church is for everyone. Christ didn't redeem Hispanics or whites or blacks. No, he came for every single one of us. And so the gospel is for one of us, and we are all come together under Christ together. And uh, it's amazing that day that he came up to the front, everyone voted him in, there were no issues, but I really think it made a statement to our community. Because if you look behind me right now, that's a picture of how our church looked immediately after that. That's a picture of heaven right there. People of every skin tones, all different nationalities coming together to worship the same God. And I really believe that since then, God, one of the reasons God has blessed Christ Fellowship is because of this reason, because the Lord knows our heart, you know. Um, and uh, by the grace of God, Pastor Rick Blackwood continued that legacy uh, here at Christ Fellowship. And, uh, you know, my hope and prayer is that as my tenure here as lead pastor, that that will continue moving forward, uh, that we are a diverse church like we heard early in the services, over 71 different nationalities. 71 different nationalities. Your pastor is half Puerto Rican and half Turkish Cypriot. My dad is from the Mediterranean, right? So even your pastor is, is as diverse as you can get it, as you can come. And so my desire is that as we move forward, listen, we be a church, right, that we're all together, right, that we're all coming together. And so my question to you, uh, Pastor Mark, is this. What advice would you give me as lead pastor and really our entire congregation How can we protect this beautiful, special thing that we have here at Christ Fellowship of of racial diversity? Because if you look around, listen, it looks like heaven, and that's the way it should be. So how can, as we move forward, how can we protect this this huge treasure that we have here at CF? Absolutely. You know, that 71 number is outstanding. 
You know, you won't find many places in this world where you see that many groups of people actually coming together. And so in the Bible, it talks about, reminds us of heaven. It says that we are go, to go and preach the gospel to all nations. And it says that when we get to heaven, every nation is going to be represented in that throng before the throne of God. And that word nation in Greek is the word we, from which we get the word ethnicity or ethnics. And so what it's really saying is that every ethnic, every ethnicity is going to be represented in that throne around heaven. And so sometimes we have used in the United States that word in negative sense. We said us and the ethnics, right? But the truth is we're all ethnics. We all have a background. We all are from somewhere and from somebody and from some group. And that passage reminds us that when we get to heaven, we will all be represented in that crowd before the throne of God. And so in the Gospel of Matthew chapter 6, we have that portion that we call the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, it says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we have gotten a picture of what heaven is going to look like. We can just look around the room and we can see a little bit of what heaven is going to be look like. And so we have to make sure we make it our hope and our aim and our effort to make sure as much as we can that earth and everything around us on earth looks like it will ultimately look like when we get to heaven. Because what a party Amen. it's going to be when we all get there. Amen. Amen to that. Hey, church. Hey, Pastor Mark, thank you again. Hey, can we give, encourage Pastor Mark one more time? Thank you so much. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark. God bless you, brother. If you don't mind, family, go ahead and stand up at all campuses with me. And uh, man, it's been a great man, two weeks of the series, right? It's been amazing so far. But I want to encourage you, listen, be back next week. What's next week? What is it? Yeah, you husbands and daughters and sons better be knowing right, that next week is Mother's Day. But it's going to be a very special Mother's Day. I have a message particularly to encourage our moms. Next week it's going to be, and we might have a special guest that I think you all will enjoy. And so be sure to come back next week. But before we end, can I pray for us? And let me close this out on a word of prayer. My God, we are just so grateful, Lord, that, Lord, you are the Savior of the world. Not one people group, not some people groups, but, Father, every single ethnicity in this world, Lord, you gave your life for and so, my God, I, I pray that as we move forward as a church, Father, when in our individual lives, Father, we meet, when, may we reflect your heart. And, uh, and, Father, as a church, as we move forward, would we continue to be, Lord, the church that honors you, Lord, by welcoming, Lord, every single ethnicity. Because, Father, you've died for every single one of us. So, Father, thank you, Lord, for your redemptive work. We love you, Lord, and we pray for your blessing. It's in Jesus' name we pray, and all of God's people say, amen. All right, church family, see you next week.